0: Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 89, Resiliency Training, Relationships Week 1. My name is Jessie Ellertson and I am a certified life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place.
1: Hello everyone in resiliency training. Welcome to relationships week one. You'll notice that this month is probably going to be a little different than any other month we've had so far in resiliency training in that I will not be providing you with a video for content this month, but will actually just be providing audio for you and I'll give you a quick explanation on that. So a couple of weeks ago, I hurt my back. And it is just not getting better. It's getting better very, very slowly, I should say. It is improving, uh, but for whatever reason, I have a very hard time sitting for longer than just a few minutes. So I am currently right now laying on the couch in my office. I'm so grateful to have a couch in my office, and I'm so grateful that I have a position that I can be in where I am essentially pain-free. I have this injury in my back but when I lay down I am in almost no pain and so I'm so grateful for that I'm also able to stand and walk around pretty well which is another great thing I can get things done and and interact with my family and and do all of that but I can't bend over and I can't sit so we're almost at three weeks on this injury and I've learned a lot about myself and about my back and it's just a really perfect month to be talking about relationships Because one of our most important relationships is with ourself, with our mental health, with our bodies, with our physical health, with our emotional health, with our spiritual health, our relationship with our lives, our relationship with the way we think about all the things that we have and do, and all of that. So I'm so excited to talk to you guys about it today, and I hope that this audio is just about as good as a video for you guys. I really enjoy creating these videos for you, and I think it's fun to have something to watch and have it be different than, uh, you know, what's available through my podcast or other things like that. But I know that while an audio isn't quite as good as a video, I know that I can still communicate all of the things that I'm wanting to teach you about today in in this week one. And throughout this month, if my back continues to Uh, heal at the rate that it is healing, then probably this whole month will just be audio. Where if it uh, surprises me, pleasantly surprises me and improves more quickly, then I will possibly be switching to video throughout the month and maybe like week three and week four will be videos. So we'll have to see about that. Okay, so like I mentioned, today we're talking about, well this month we're talking about relationships and in week one we're talking about our relationship with ourselves And our relationship with our life. So one of the first things that I want you to do after listening to this is to go listen to the podcast episode that I created on this exact topic um, because it's got so much good stuff in it and it really helps you slow everything down and just start to gain awareness and look at what it is that you're currently thinking about your life and then even I want to say even more importantly but at least equally important if not more importantly relationship with yourself. That's the one that we sometimes have a hard time really taking a look at. And in the podcast episode, I give you some tips on how you can start to take a look at what your relationship with yourself is. So I want you to go into that. But the reason that I want to spend time on this here in week one is because we are our most important relationship. And I think we don't always think of it that way. When I initially start talking to my clients about this word relationships. And I talk to them about the relationships in their lives. I have yet to have a client to, uh, you know, address that relationship with themselves until I bring it up first. And that's totally normal. And that makes a lot of sense to me because we think outside of ourselves for relationships. We think, oh, my relationship with my children, my relationship with my spouse, my relationship with my parents, my siblings, my friends. That's that's the way we're used to thinking about relationships So I want to stretch you a little bit this week into first thinking about your relationship with yourself and then second to even think about our relationship with some of the things in our life. Now I know that I have talked about that concept on the podcast uh, in quite a few different ways. I don't think that this concept will be unfamiliar to you guys at all but we're really going to dig into it this week. So the example that I want to share with you guys today that uh, has really just been coming to my mind as I've been preparing for this week that I've been going through with my back. So I want to just take you through this for a little bit and show you a few different models and some of the lessons that I've learned along the way because this is a great example of showing this relationship with ourselves because it, it comes up in a lot of different ways. And you know that we don't want to get overwhelmed by how many types of things we can have a relationship with right we want to say I want to take a look at this one area of my life or this one aspect of of my myself or my mental health and just work on that one specific area even though there's 20 areas in my life I could work on and 10 areas in my mental health I could work on We want to just pick one or two very specific things to work on. And then as we work on those, the goodness that we're learning and the lessons that we're learning and the awareness that we're gaining just starts to leak over into other areas of our lives. So that's the real added bonus of that. So don't get overwhelmed with all the places you want to take a look at and work on. Just pick one area. So I'm going to go really into what I've been learning about my back and and framing it in this way to say like, One way I can take a look at the relationship I have with myself is the way I've handled uh, the injuries that come up with my back. Because that really gives me kind of this window into my relationship with my body, my relationship with uh, being patient, my relationship with being willing to take good care of myself or rest, my relationship with being like stubborn or asking for help. So when something comes up like this, it does, it just gives us this really beautiful look into some of these things that we don't uh, get to see in a regular everyday life when we're not going through anything hard. And that, that's the growth that can come from challenges as we can say, oh, when I'm not in any pain, when I don't have an injury, I don't need to ask for help and I don't need to uh, be patient and I don't need to, you know, for the most part. But then when the hard thing comes up, we're asked, we need to ask of all of these things from ourselves as we go through the hard thing, and it gives us that opportunity to get to know ourselves better, to practice doing the thing that we want to do, to see kind of where we're at, all of those things. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the history of my back. I, It's it's kind of, you know, ups and downs, long, probably a little bit boring, but I'll try to just give you a quick sum up and then really get into what's been happening recently. So I have struggled with my back for quite a few years, um, maybe about 10 years off and on. And it's, uh, contributed to the problem gets contributed to by, uh, my pregnancies. I've had seven pregnancies and by my knee troubles, I've had knee troubles since I was young, since I was in like seventh grade where I've, uh, you know, dislocated my knees, gotten surgery on my knees. I've just had, I have loose and, uh, vulnerable knees I've had uh, most of my life. And the reason that contributes to my back is that my back does the work that my knees would do in a lot of different kind of day-to-day tasks. And so my back has gone under, you know, extra stress and and pressure in ways that isn't necessarily very good for it because I'm, I'm always like preserving my knees. So instead of like squatting to bend over and pick something up, I bend over like straight over. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying heavy things. When I do lift heavy things, I try to be really careful for my back, but just kind of that every day over and over different things I do, you know, bend over to zip up my daughter's coat or bend over to pick up toys off the floor. Instead of squatting at all with my with my legs, I bend over with my back. And then just a lot of things will put strain on your back, you know, doing dishes or doing laundry, you're just slightly bent over. So over the years, adding my knee injuries... And the way my back compensates, and then my pregnancies. Um, your joints tend to get loose in pregnancy, and then all of the extra weight that you carry right in your abdomen that kind of puts strain on your lower back. Anyway, all of that combined has led me to some, a couple of relatively, you know, bigger injuries, kind of like the one I'm in right now, but mostly just a lot of little ones, uh, where I will just tweak my back or I'll feel it, you know, tighten up. And I'm learning, I'm learning how to take better care of it. But what what I've learned over the years, I started learning this lesson a few years ago as as the tweak started happening more frequently, is that initially my response was to get really frustrated with my back, that it would get hurt so easily. And then almost in my frustration and in my attempt to uh, resist the reality of what was going on with my back, I would ignore the initial warnings and the, the initial twinge and the initial tightness that is my back's way of telling me like you're overdoing it or where this is about to get worse or it's time it's time to slow down, it's time to stop, it's time to rest. That's what I now know my back is telling me. But at the time when I would feel that tightness or that pain, I would think, oh, my back is so like wimpy or it's so vulnerable. I'm not even doing much and it's hurting. And I would, I'd be like, ah, forget it. And then I would just keep doing what I was doing, or I would just ignore it. I would just pretend it wasn't happening. And then my back would get worse and I would have to pay the price of ignoring it. And it would get like fully hurt. And then I'd have to ice and lay down for three days while it had time to, you know, heal and, and get better. So as I would lay there injured, instead of thinking, oh, I really should have listened to it, I would think, I can't believe my back does this. So I would kind of continue on that stubborn, resisting reality streak. And then I would even go to thoughts like, uh, when this started happening, it's funny, I wasn't um, doing thought work at the time, wasn't managing my mind, but I can see it now. I, I even can see my past in models now. So as I remember what that was like, I can watch it play out in models even though at the time I wasn't looking at my thoughts in models because this was, again, like I said, you know, 10, 8, 7, 6 years ago that these kinds of injuries were happening where it would make me very mad and I would resist reality. And so I would even spend time thinking things like my back shouldn't be hurt right now or I wish my back weren't hurt right now or if my back weren't hurt right now, I could be blank, you know. And so that's even just another layer of that resistance of reality because my back was hurt. And I just would spend lots of time thinking like, I just wish it weren't hurt right now. Because when it's hurt, I I have to, you know, lay here and I can't do these things. And if it weren't hurt, I'd be able to do these things, you know. And so it's pretty fascinating to look at that now. And I say that as if I've like graduated from all this kind of thinking. I want you to know that I absolutely haven't. I'm just so much more aware of it now and I'm kind to myself When I indulge in these kinds of thoughts, I know exactly what they create for me. And I I allow myself to think them knowing that I'm creating it for myself and knowing that kind of each time I hurt my back, I go on this little bit of a journey towards acceptance. So not always, but typically I will still kind of start in that stubborn, frustrated place. And then move through to accepting what's going on with my back and taking care of myself the way I need to be taken care of or the way I need to take care of myself and allow people to help me, allow people to take care of me in the way that I need to be taken care of in that moment because I'm injured. So I think I've been taking better care of my back in the last couple of years than I ever have, like in my, I'd say in my whole life, but really just in the last, you know, 10 years as it's been a problem. And I have become very aware of my patterns, and I've become very aware of what my back is trying to say to me when it gives me those initial warnings. And I try to listen and respond when it does those because I really benefit when I do that. I really benefit from listening and responding to my back's warnings because then I even even though in the moment I think, oh, I've got to keep going. I've got to get this stuff done. I remind myself, no, this is the moment to stop. This is the moment to rest. This is the moment to ice and lay down. And then this won't actually turn into an injury because you listen to the warnings, right? And that's not always easy to do and I'm not perfect at it, but I've really been trying to acknowledge to myself how much better I'm taking care of my back how much better I'm listening to my body when it gives me those warning signals and I've really benefited from doing that so not only that but I have been uh, doing more as far as maintaining my back health so instead of just paying attention to my back when it's in pain I try to pay attention to my back even when it's feeling really good And I try, I've been going to a chiropractor regularly, even when I'm feeling good. I've been doing small, you know, stretches and exercises as, as regularly as I can. I I really could improve in that area, but I try to make sure to do that even when I'm feeling good, rather Mm -hmm. than just paying a lot of attention to my back when it's hurt or hurting. And so I've been sort of patting myself on the back for that recently because I've been really impressed with how good my back's been feeling and how well I've been taking care of it and how long it's been since I've heard it. And I can still remember, I'll give you this one more little snippet into this journey. I can still remember a couple of years ago when I was fully, you know, managing my mind and laying on the couch with a back injury and feeling in that moment I was indulging in the resistance of reality and the frustration and wishing it would just all go away. We love to do that. Our lower brain loves to do that. It loves to just wish it would all be different and I'll go away. And I did some self-coaching on it. Not right in that moment, but later when I was, you know, later that day or whatever, when my brain was calmer and clearer, and I was ready to feel differently. Because often in the moment when we're indulging those emotions, we're not quite ready to feel differently. And we don't want to rush ourselves there. But when we are ready to feel differently, that's the moment to say, okay, here's what I'm currently thinking and feeling and doing, which was I'm thinking I wish this weren't happening. I'm feeling frustrated. And then I'm uh, trying to maybe do more than I should when my back's hurt or I'm ignoring, you know, the things I can be doing, the things that are in my control and even the things that could be helping my back. I'm ignoring all those things because I'm just so mad about what's going on. And once I realized what I was doing, my current model, then I was ready to create my, my intentional model. So I knew that I wanted to accept what was happening to me and take action that would take, again, take better care of myself in the moment and also help myself get better more quickly and prevent this kind of thing from happening in the future. So I, that was when I started seeing a chiropractor regularly because I realized if I were just willing to accept that my back does this from time to time and that I am currently, you know, sitting here with this injured back needing, it's needing attention, it's needing me to take good care of it, what would I be doing? rather than resisting the reality and fighting against what was happening and what i realized i'd be doing if i were just a calm responsible adult is i would be saying okay well it's time to book an appointment with a chiropractor and it's time to be icing regularly and stretching regularly and you know doing taking all this action that a calm responsible adult would be taking in a moment of you know injury and and my back needing extra attention and i love that because it really helped me just solidify that new plan rather than stay in that resistance. And another thing that helped me come up with that very simple, very, you know, easy to come up with plan, but in that, when you're in that stubborn, frustrated place, that, that simple, calm, rational plan doesn't always feel available to you. But what helped me shift my brain over to that new place was to ask myself what I would tell my friend or my sister or my daughter or my husband, if they were feeling and experiencing what I was experiencing. And it would be so simple to me coming at it from the outside. If I wasn't the one hurt, if I wasn't the one in pain, if I wasn't the one feeling the frustration, and I was just on the outside looking in, if I was another person, I would be advising this person in my life to get some help, to go to the chiropractor, to, to make their back a high priority, make the health of their back a high priority and make this pain a high priority to get it under control and to do what it took even preemptively to help it not happen again. And that's a little trick that I love to do when I am working on my own relationship with myself or when I'm helping my clients really learn to acknowledge that relationship with themselves is ask them that simple question of if someone else in your life was experiencing what you're experiencing, what would you say to them? would you say to them what you're currently saying to yourself? And the answer is pretty much always absolutely not. I would never go up to my best friend or my sister or my child and say like, I can't believe you hurt your back again. This is so dumb. I wish your back wasn't hurt. Your back shouldn't be hurt right now. Uh, You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say to them what I was saying to myself in those moments that was creating all of that frustration and resistance. I would be, you know, kind and loving and say like, that must be so hard. Let's take care of this. Let's get some help, you know, that help. That really helps you start to become more acquainted and familiar with what it looks like to work on that relationship with yourself is you notice how you're speaking to yourself and ask yourself how you would say it to somebody else that you cared about and see that there's a pretty big difference there. So when we're trying to get clear on what we want our relationship with ourselves to look like after we spend some time gaining some awareness around what our relationship with ourselves currently looks like we just start to say how would i say this to somebody else and it really helps if you imagine somebody that you have you know a, a good relationship with a lot of respect for someone you care about that you want to see them happy you want to see them succeed uh, that's really easy for us to think about that for other people. But what's amazing is as I list those things, of course you want those things for yourself too. You want yourself to be happy and successful and healthy. You want yourself to be a high priority to yourself. You want to have a high opinion of yourself. You want to think highly of yourself and speak kindly to yourself. That It's it's pretty logical and obvious that we would want those things for ourselves. we're just not very practiced at thinking of it that way. So that's really what's going to help you uh, start to get clear and aware of what it is that you want for yourself, what relationship you do want with yourself. So now let's go back quickly to, as I finished kind of telling you what I've been learning as I've gone through these different back injuries over the years. I want to tell you a little bit about what I've been learning in this most recent one. And I know that I, I still honestly have more to learn. And I know that no matter how careful and conscientious and healthy I am and how strong I get my back, the chances are that I will do this again because I hurt my back doing very small, normal activities and I can't really stop doing those activities. So, for example, uh, this time I was just making a bed and I just reached over to tuck that last corner, you know, and as I as I tucked it and then went to stand up, that was when my back twinged. And I think that the reason that it has been so bad this time where it normally doesn't take this long to get better is a combination of a couple of things. Uh, number one, I was preparing to host my family for the weekend. And so I had already spent, you know, the day before and that day doing a lot of cleaning and lifting and carrying and bending and wiping and, you know, just, just lots of things that I was enjoying doing. My family was helping too. I wasn't just doing all by myself, but I had, I think I had already sort of weakened my back just by doing a lot in a short amount of time to prepare for my family to come. And this bed-making activity was almost one of the last things on my list of things that needed to do before they arrived and they were, you know, on their way here from the airport and I thought, Oh, I'll just go finish and you know, finish by making their beds and then we're all good to go. It was one of the last things I needed to do because I was uh doing some laundry, washing the linens that I was going to put on the beds. And that was finally complete and I had made lunch and the house was clean and smelled good and there was music on and Uh, You know, just everything was ready except making these beds. And I went upstairs to make their beds and felt that twinge and thought, oh, no, you know, my back is hurting like it does sometimes. And I went downstairs and greeted my guests and we had lunch. And then I spent the rest of the afternoon uh, laying down and icing my back. So I didn't ignore it. But I didn't lay down immediately like I like to do. I did, you know, still have lunch and do a few more things. Not not, no more work, but I still stayed up and about for a little while longer. And I think that it was because I hurt it at the tail end of already having done so much in the last like 24 hours before it hurt my back. So I think that's a big part of the reason why the timeline of this one has been so much different than the other ones. And that right there is valuable to learn from. But a couple of the things, the ma- the main lessons that I've learned as I've laid here, uh, getting things done and t- trying to take care of myself these past couple of weeks are, number one, a lesson that I've learned is that I am injured. And when you are injured, you have to accept that you're injured <laughs> and you have to give yourself a realistic timeline. So initially, as I rested those first few days that I was hurt, I thought, okay, if I you know, if I am really patient and I rest and I make my back a priority and my health a priority for a few days, I'll start to feel better and I'll be able to be back on my feet, you know, even just maybe a few days after that. And that had been the case for so many of these times that I'd hurt my back and that didn't happen. And so I was kind of going with my intentional model of taking good care of myself and accepting the reality of what was happening, except this reality didn't follow the timeline that it had in the past. And instead of adjusting my timeline to a a realistic timeline for this injury, because clearly I was having sort of a unique experience to what I'd done in the past. Instead, I let the frustration and the resistance come, come back in. And I started to make myself miserable just saying, this is taking too long. It shouldn't be taking this long. I should already be feeling better. I should be back up and about. I shouldn't have to ask for so much help. I should I should already be doing better. And I spent uh, several days just indulging in that frustration and resistance. And when I say several days, I don't mean that I felt frustrated and resistant for like four days straight. But what I mean is that was one of the main models I was operating from. I obviously had moments where I felt fine and moments where... I felt at peace and moments where, you know, I was feeling lots of other things, but one of the models I would just return to and return to and return to throughout, throughout those few days after realizing that it wasn't going to be that typical timeline that I was used to and that I was hoping for was the frustration and the resistance. So that was really fascinating to me because I realized that when I'm frustrated and resistant, I don't take good care of myself. I lay there because I kind of have to. Uh, but it's different than resting intentionally. It's almost in that resistance place. It's almost, you know, I'm doing it because I have to, and I shouldn't have to do this. And it's, I felt like I, I honestly wasn't getting the rest that I needed from that resistance place. But one night when I was feeling particularly low and I realized the thing that I just realized over and over and over (laughs) that I was making myself miserable, I was making myself miserable with that resistance and the thoughts that were creating the resistance and the thoughts that were creating the frustration and the anger and that night i realized i am done making myself miserable i'm ready to feel different and i even didn't even start that night i knew that i knew that i was on this journey of acceptance of of this new timeline of of needing to rest for weeks for this to get better And I thought, okay, so tomorrow I'm going to work on my new plan. I don't I don't need to fix it tonight. I just know that I've kind of hit that moment of that self-realization of I'm making myself miserable. My back injury is not what's making me miserable. My thoughts are making me so miserable. And tomorrow, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend my time really acknowledging where I'm at and spending time thinking the thoughts that create the feelings I want to be feeling so that I can start heading in the direction that I want to be heading mentally and I know that when I have my my mental health headed in the direction I want it to be headed, that my physical health improves as well. It is amazing how often those two things are tied together, our physical health and our mental health. And I think we can really underestimate that sometimes, but it's huge. And for those of you who have been through hard physical things Start paying attention to how when your mental health is going down, it compounds your physical health problem. And if you're doing things that, you know, raise your mental health, that it tends to really improve what's going on in your physical health. It doesn't mean it'll take away the physical health problem, but you're better equipped to face it. And I honestly believe that your body handles it all better if you are keeping your mental health in place. So that was the first lesson I learned. The second lesson I've learned throughout this current back injury is that I have a superpower. And one of my superpowers is ignoring small, annoying things. So let me clarify that just a little bit. What I mean by that is, I do struggle with feeling annoyed more than I would like to. But I also know that I have a ton of practice not getting annoyed by things. Like if I weren't if I didn't have this superpower, if I didn't have all this practice is what that really means. I would spend even a lot more time annoyed. So I don't get annoyed when my kids do things that kids just typically do. I do indulge in getting annoyed at those things sometimes. And I do get annoyed when something I'm not as practiced at experiencing comes up. So typically if my kids enter like a new phase, I'll catch myself getting really annoyed by something that they're doing because I haven't, switch my brain to say like, oh, this is just something that my kids do now, or this kid does now. So I don't get annoyed typically by like whining or crying, or just some of those really common things that kids will do. And that's been a huge blessing, because I'll I'll notice that my husband who has a lot less practice being around some of those really common things that kids do, he, he finds himself getting so annoyed. And I think, oh, that's just what they do all the time. Like, I'm so glad that I can overlook a lot of those really frequent everyday little things that kids do and not get so annoyed by them and again I'm working on being kind to myself when I do get annoyed at things my kids do and that I let I let the things they do catch me off guard and annoy me sometimes and I'm working on that both accepting that it's okay that I get annoyed and also getting annoyed less because I don't like how it feels to be annoyed Another example of things I'm able to ignore are like little things my dog does. I'll give you that example. So she loves to just follow me around. She's right at my heels all the time. And I make this joke that I'm her emotional support animal because she seems to be pretty antsy unless she's like with me. And then she's very calm and happy as long as she knows where I am. And she's very close to me. And she's actually uh, getting pretty old and mostly deaf and mostly blind And so it takes her a little more work to always know where I am and she will like lay down in front of my shower door when I'm in the shower so that I have to bump the door into her when I'm getting out of the shower so that she doesn't miss me leaving the room. Like if I, if she's asleep in the corner, then I could get out of the shower and get dressed and do my hair and do my makeup and leave the room and she could sleep through all that because she's mostly deaf and mostly blind. And she doesn't want to miss me leaving the room. She likes to be where I am. So she purposefully lays down where she knows like when I get out of bed or when I get up off the couch or when I come out of the shower, I have to bump into her so that it wakes her up so that she can just get up and follow me. So she's kind of always with me and she's always just right underfoot and I've gotten used to it and I don't let it bug me anymore. And I just sort of, I don't, I don't ignore her. That's a strong word. But I just don't even notice that she's there. It's just like not even on my radar because she's always there. And my husband will say like, oh, doesn't that drive you crazy? She's always just walking right behind you. And I just say like, oh, I didn't, you know, I don't even notice. I'm so used to her being there. I don't even notice. Uh, another place that I don't get annoyed where some people might is with, you know, different things that happen in the car or with traffic or with other drivers I'll notice, you know, people that I drive with getting really annoyed with the people around them. And I just think like, oh, like that doesn't even need to annoy us. So I I have a pretty, I do a pretty good job ignoring things, certain things that could make me feel very annoyed. And I like that. I like that about me. I think that's one of my superpowers. But what I didn't realize I was doing with this superpower was even ignoring annoying things that needed to be paid attention to. For example, my back. Another example I've given recently along these lines, and then I'll give you a little bit more of what I've learned about my back, is uh, I struggle with seasonal allergies. So all summer long, I will deal with a stuffy nose or a drippy nose or lots of sneezing, just kind of a lot going on with my allergies. And without even realizing it, I'll just ignore them. I'll ignore that they are doing what they're doing and kind of driving me crazy and my kids or my husband will say like mom are you okay and I'll just say like oh yeah it's just allergies and I'll just ignore that I have to blow my nose like a hundred times a day or that I'll be sneezing so much or, or all those things because I'll just think like oh that, you know that, that's just small and annoying like that's almost my cue to ignore it it's small and annoying but really I should not be ignoring my allergies I should just be paying attention to them and doing what it takes to help them not be so bad just uh you know, taking an allergy pill or even getting allergy shots or or just doing some of those little regular adult things you can do to pay attention to yourself and take care of the problem. And I've been amazed to discover that recently that I have accidentally been ignoring things that really just need me to pay a little bit of attention to them. And that's a lesson that I've learned over and over with my back that my back needs me to pay attention to it and what I want to do because I have this little programming thing that serves me in a lot of ways but isn't serving me in these ways is that when something is nagging at me and, and annoying me and it's just kind of this small repetitive thing that it serves me to ignore it and again like I said in ways it serves me in certain categories of my life in certain areas but in a lot of ways it doesn't serve me. And so I am learning to differentiate between those two things. I can't just apply that programming across the board. Small and annoying deserves to be ignored. Instead, I need to say, should I pay attention to this thing or ignore it and put it through that filter? Because there's gonna be things like traffic where I'll say, oh, this one, I don't need to get annoyed by this. I'm just in traffic. I'm just gonna accept that reality. I'm just gonna sit here in traffic and not get annoyed. Because my feeling annoyed by traffic only makes me suffer more. It doesn't make the traffic get better. But then I put this next thing through the filter. Okay, I'm sneezing 100 times a day. I'm blowing my nose 100 times a day. I'm having my seasonal allergies. Should I ignore it or pay attention to it? And then my brain would answer, oh, this is one to pay attention to. Because there's a few things that I can do to make it go so much better. And so this is where my back comes in, when my back sends me those signals, those little nagging signals of like, oh, I'm starting to hurt, I'm starting to tighten up, pay attention to me, this is going to get worse. And instead of saying like small annoying things should be ignored, instead I say, is this something to ignore or pay attention to? And I've learned, you know, very, it's a very simple lesson, but it's amazing how we have to slow these processes down. These are the kinds of things we just fly through without even realizing because we have this programming that really does serve us a lot of the time. So I've had to slow this one down and realize this secondary question I need to ask myself. When something gets flagged for small and annoying, instead of just immediately ignoring it, ask myself, should this be ignored or paid attention to? And my back absolutely needs to be paid attention to. And when I ignore it, I pay big, a big price. It does not serve me to ignore it. So as I've learned this lesson, I'm just learning to slow things down, to not ignore myself, to take better care of myself, to do the small things now that keep me from paying that big price and give me that big reward for paying attention to them. Okay, the third and final lesson that I want to share with you guys in this kind of in-depth example I've shared with you on what it looks like to pay better attention to yourself, to be more aware of the relationship you have with yourself, with your body, with your health, with your life and to also like make yourself a priority is that what we focus on grows. This is a lesson that I have learned over and over again in many different areas of my life. And it is incredibly valuable. It's okay that we have to learn lessons over and over. Each time we learn them, they get a little stronger and we get a little better at them. So be kind to yourself. When it's a lesson that you realize you have already learned, it's okay. Just learn it again. So this one came to me so clearly about a week ago when I was still kind of working through uh, accepting my injury, accepting my my realistic timeline of this is going to take more like a month, not a few days, right? And then that helped me torture myself less and, and feel less mentally miserable. I was indulging in a little bit of feeling sorry for myself, And I was thinking, I was just looking around at everything I wasn't able to get done on my list and in my house and in my life because I couldn't sit and I couldn't bend over. And I was really focused on what I wasn't able to do. And that grew in my mind because it was what I was focusing on. It was getting bigger. And the trick of that is, and this is one I've learned again, like I said, over and over, and I'll I'll share a couple of those examples with you here really quickly is, The trick that our brain does when something grows, it's I want you to imagine it's like right in front of your eyes. And when it grows, even though there are still things around it, it's kind of the only thing we can see because it's right in front of our eyes. We're focused on it. And so we begin to mistakenly believe that the other things around it don't exist anymore, that the only thing that exists is that thing. So this is okay. We're going to always do it. It's what our human brain does, but it's really good to know that that's what our brain does and to be on to ourselves when we're doing it. So uh, I'll give you the couple of examples where I've learned this before, and then I'll tell you how this played out for me recently. Uh, this is one that I learned several years ago when I hurt my knee, and I I had to get surgery on my ankle and my knee, and my ankle was non-weight-bearing for six weeks along with Uh, what was going on with my knee and I had to spend a lot of time in a wheelchair. And then I was able to kind of graduate to crutches, but those were still really challenging. And there was very little I could do for myself at that time. And I was very focused on what I wasn't able to do similar to this injury. Uh, I mean, it was a much more intense scenario, but I just mean kind of a parallel journey of what I've, I've, what I'm doing right now, where I would just think like, well, if I can't carry anything and it's hard to walk and stairs are hard uh I guess I just have to sit here like it sort of felt like the only thing that was available to me was to sit and have people bring stuff to me and sure like I would crutch to the bathroom or crutch to the car but there wasn't much I could do beyond that because I was so focused on what I couldn't do it felt like there was almost nothing I could do for myself And Similarly, I see this happen to myself as a military wife and I see this happen in my clients when they're uh, experiencing uh, deployments or different things that the, the way I see this one play out really intensely when we're in the hardest parts of military life is that we feel like there's so little in our control and the reason that we feel this way is because we're very focused on the parts of our lives that are out of our control So this will come up for military wives, particularly when their husbands are deployed or, or things like that, because we see like, I can't, uh, you know, my husband has to go and he has to go for this certain amount of time into these certain places. And there's nothing about that I can change. All of that is totally out of my control. And we even go so far as to say, like, the army is in charge of our lives. The army controls us or whatever branch you're in, you know, the military controls us. The military owns my husband. They own us. They own our lives. They're in charge. They get to pick. We don't have a say in this part. You know, we'll kind of think and talk this way almost without even realizing it. And pieces of that are true, right? There are many things about military life that are not in our control. But when we focus on them, which we will because they're very hard, that focus makes those pieces, the parts that aren't in our control, grow and grow and grow right in front of our eyes, and it begins to feel very true to us that nothing in our lives is in our control. Even though we can logically understand that is not true, it feels very true to us when we are in the thick of it like this. And that can be very problematic because when we feel out of control, that throws us deep into survival mode. And even though there are going to be moments and parts of the hardest parts of military life like deployments where we're going to need survival mode and it really serves us when we are deep in survival mode and we currently believe that there is nothing in our life that's in our control we we struggle to come out of survival mode and that can really come at a cost okay so now bring it back to today this experience that i'm having i i caught myself doing it again i relearned this lesson that i was so focused on what i wasn't able to do because i can't bend over and i can't sit down that i started to believe and i started to really let myself just lean into this feeling that there's there's nothing i can do there's nothing i can do for myself because i can't do those things and all i could see was the activities that required me to sit or bend over and so i can't do those things so i must not be able to do anything and i just learned this lesson again And one morning after starting to adjust the way I was thinking about my injury and the way I was thinking about my timeline, this one came right up to the surface for me of, oh, you know, this lesson, I'm learning it again. What I focus on grows and what I'm not focused on gets so small, it almost feels like it doesn't exist. And I started to just make that shift of there are things that I can't do because I can't bend over and I can't sit down. But there are so many things that I can do from different positions. There's so many things I can do just standing up and walking around. There are so many things I can do just laying down. I can have my laptop on my lap. I can help my children with lots of different things while I'm laying down. I can read. I can lay down in the car and still go places. I can uh, find ways to stand in places where maybe I would normally sit instead I'll just stand, I can do the dishes i i you know maybe I can't load the dishwasher, but I can rinse the dishes. I can't you know maybe switch the laundry, but I can lay down to fold it. It's just it my whole world just shifted in that one morning when I realized that I was learning this lesson again, and my my vision cleared that thing I'd been focusing on sh- shrunk back to its normal size. There were things I couldn't do because I couldn't do those positions. But because I was able to shrink that and start to look outside of what I'd been focusing on, all those other things came into view of even though I can't do those things, I can do this and this and this and this. And because I intentionally shifted my focus to what can I do, I started to have that grow in front of my eyes. What I could do became so much bigger than what I couldn't do. And I stopped focusing on what I couldn't do. And the things that I couldn't do would still come up. It's not that they totally went away. I'd still see, oh, I really want to, you know, do this thing. But I I can't because I can't bend over right now. But what can I do? And I just kept bringing it back to, in what way can I do this? What what version of this can I do by just laying down to do it or by just standing here to do it? So that was the third big lesson I learned. And uh, it just goes to show... How important thought work is, how important mind management is, how important our relationship with ourselves is, and how much control we have over all of it, which is so valuable and precious to know, particularly when you're in these moments of challenge and trial where it's so easy to think and believe that so little of it is in our control and that the way we feel is is not in our control. In these moments of trial, we believe that the trial is the reason we're frustrated and miserable and sad and discouraged. And there is so much power in allowing yourself to go on this journey of, I start there typically. It's almost like the five stages of grief, right? We work through anger and sadness and all those things as until we come to acceptance. We accept our circumstances We're able to focus on what we want to focus on. We're able to guide our thoughts a little bit more and realize like when I'm feeling so miserable, it's because I'm thinking really miserable thoughts. I can think anything I want to about what is going on in my current circumstances. And right now I'm choosing miserable thoughts. Okay, so that is what I want to share with you guys today. I know this one was a little bit longer, but hopefully that was okay since uh, you're just listening to it and not watching. So hopefully you've been able to you know, be getting other things done while you're listening to this or maybe listening to it in the car or something. But those are some of the thoughts that I wanted to share with you as you begin to gain awareness in this area that while all of your relationships are important to you, this is a very enjoyable topic to really focus on. And I'm glad we're going to take a whole month to take a look at it. Uh, All of your relationships are important to you, but I want your number one relationship to be the one with yourself. The one that's 100 percent in your control yourself and your life and then there's going to be other beautiful relationships that improve when you just start to work on this first one this one with yourself and you'll start to see oh i have this beautiful relationship with with god and i have this relationship with my family my spouse that you're going to be in such a better position to work on those relationships that are also incredibly important to you. And you're more practiced at looking at those relationships and working on those relationships than you are necessarily with yourself and with your life. But as you make that one a priority, the one that is with yourself, and as you practice working on that one and looking at that one and improving that one, you're going to see those benefits and improvements just ripple into your life in other ways and set you up. For being in such a better position to work on these other ones that are also just really important to you that you want to improve. So, that is what I have for you guys this week. I hope that you have enjoyed this and I am excited for you as you get to work on this. Let me know how I can help you and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Ready to take what you are learning here on the podcast to the next level? Then check out my new video course, Resiliency Training. This year-long course of weekly video classes is the perfect way to increase the efforts that you are already making when it comes to improving your deployment experience and making your mental health a priority. We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life, and that's exactly the boost this course will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.